This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt and the Cloth. This was my sermon from February 21st, 2021. Hope you enjoy and God bless. My scripture this morning is found from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were saved through water and baptism, which this prefigured now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. Amen. Praise be to God for the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. It's very important that when we read this passage of scripture, that we look at all of the options that we have for interpretation. For example, one... One could argue that this was in the before the incarnation, where Jesus preached to disobedient people of Noah's time, perhaps through Noah himself, because, well, he knows the audience in which he is speaking to, and they would have known the story of Noah. Some would argue that this is between the death and the resurrection. Jesus descended to the place of the dead and preached to the spirits of the evil people of Noah's time. Now, this is more of a traditional understanding, usually come from a different faith tradition, and we hear this language in like things like the Apostles' Creed. And then the third aspect that we could interpret this passage of Scripture is between the death and the resurrection, where Jesus ascended to the realm of the wicked angels, a.k.a. the sons of God, who are mentioned in Genesis chapter 6, as the forerunners of Noah, and the wickedness of Noah's time. It's in that place that Jesus announced God's victory over all principalities and powers. Now, I, little, I struggle a little bit with that interpretation, but it is one that is preached today. The reason I struggle with this is two separate stories. And Jesus is repeating the story that he was taught as a child. Noah's time was filled with bad people. Awful people. Human beings that were doing horrible things to one another, damaging the creation of God. And then God said to Noah, I want you to build an ark. And on this ark, I want you to put two of every living thing that has breath, including the creepy crawly things. And in the same vein, God says that I will save you and your children and your children's wives and your wife. And I will make sure everything is taken care of. And the floods come, the waters rise, and the whole earth is underwater and started to disappear. And slowly, 
the waters dissipate. And once again, we see the creation of God in the form of a dove bringing back an olive branch. Then the story continues. But God promises us something in that moment. God promises us what? That what won't happen? Okay, you can talk. There will not be destruction by water ever again. And what does God do to promise that this isn't going to happen? A rainbow. That's right. See, we all remember this story. In the same way that Jesus' audience remembers the story. There's a moment here where God wipes away the earth from all the bad and starts fresh. It makes sense then that Jesus talks about baptism in that exact moment. You see, in the Christian church, disciples of Christ, we really believe that baptism is imperative for our faith. And the thing that we've grown into and understand much better than we did when I was a child was is that baptism can come in many forms. And no one's baptism is less than the other. There are those that were baptized as infants, depending on their faith tradition. There are those that were baptized as junior high and high school kids. There were those that were baptized as adults. And as far as the Christian church disciples of Christ is concerned, all baptisms are the same. They may have different faith traditions, but for us, the understanding of what it represents is still there. There's an understanding that I think that we should interpret this passage of Scripture in the understanding of being dead to life and alive in Christ. See, baptism is one of those things that is supposed to symbolically represent when we go into the water, that is the death of our physical being. And you've heard the phrase that when we come up out of the water, we are now born again. That's where that language comes from. Because now you are born into a new spirit, a new flesh. What for? Well, to do the will of God in the name of Jesus Christ. This is a big deal. And it really matters to us. So, right after Christmas, I had this worship service that I was doing with you that I did something with rocks that I'm going to go to here in just a second. So, Bobby, here it comes. So, right after Christmas, we talk about the Epiphany. And in the Epiphany, we talk about specifically the week after the Epiphany, which is, for those of us that don't know, Epiphany is the conversation about the wise men arising to see Jesus as a child. And then right after that, liturgically, we always talk about the very first thing that Jesus does is as he gets baptized. I'm going to get in a better light. There we go. So that I'm not like all spirited. This is not special effects, guys. But in, the, in, the, in all of the Gospels, they can all agree on one thing, that the very first thing that Jesus does is get baptized. He becomes dead to once his original self so that he can truly become the Mashiach of all people. Something new for all of creation. And I love the imagery that we get from the stories of the baptism, which is why when we had this conversation, I talked about the water running over the rocks. But here's what I want us to talk about today. This is our first Sunday back after several months of being apart. This means something to us. 
There's a desire to be in community, whether it's online or whether it's in person. But the goal here becomes the same, that we are in community with one another. So whether we're online or we're here in the pews, the community never changes. Church never closed. Just we did worship in a different way for several months. So it's a lot like our baptism stories. Now, baptism has always been a weird experience for me. I remember very clearly when Madeline had decided that she wanted to be baptized. I said I wasn't going to say this story, but I'm going to anyway because it's awesome. It's going to be a little bit changed from the original version, but you'll get the impression. I asked Madeline, she says, Dad, I want to be baptized. She's about seven years old. And I said, okay, that's really cool. Why? Well, because I, I want to be baptized. I, I, I want to I go in the water, and I want to come out, and I want to do something different. I said, oh, okay. Why? Well, you know, because, because we all get baptized, and this is what we're supposed to do. Fantastic. Why? Uh, what I was trying to get her to say was, because I want to have the communion. But she didn't say it. She was smart. She'd listen to me talk about it in sermons, which is more than I can say what I did for my dad's sermons. Because I think when I got baptized... My dad was probably more afraid that it was going to flood again at that point and that he was Noah and he was saving everyone else except for Josh. But in the midst of Madeline's baptism story, here she comes and she says, I want to be baptized. And this went on for several years. And finally, we came to a time when she and a bunch of her friends, like nine kids, wanted to be baptized all on the same Sunday. I said, okay. And it was real. It was a full, legit moment. She wanted to do this. It was completely legit. And the only thing I regret was not baptizing her sooner. Except for, I still wanted to know why. Because baptism is a big deal. <clears throat> and so, we come to this moment. Everybody is all excited. And I remember it being like this. It was like a circus. If, if you all have watched baptisms, you know there's a lot of little logistic things that we have to do in order to make it happen. So imagine nine kids being baptized, and all of them are taller than me, except Madeline, and all of them are huge, and so it, it became like one of these things like, do you believe? Yes. Donk. Fantastic. Next. Do you believe? Donk. Yep. Okay. Next. Do you believe? Yep. Donk. Next. We finally get to Madeline, and of course, my brain is like completely, you all know I'm an emotional person, so she's coming up, and I'm like, I've got tears in my eyes. Now, this is the most important part of the story. The logistics always matter when it comes to the ways that we do worship. What I tell every single person when I baptize them is that you take this thumb and touch this side of your nostril, and you take this thumb and you touch this side of your nostril, so that when you're doing this, you don't get waterboarded. <laughs> because when you dump them in the water, it's backwards. And the water goes straight up their nostrils. So I'm just crying, you know. <laughs> it's my daughter. She's getting baptized. And I said, okay, let's put your hands on your face. So she takes one thumb and she sticks it on her cheek. And takes the other thumb and sticks it on the other cheek. And I wasn't paying attention. So she doesn't cover her nose at all. She covers her mouth. I still don't understand this. But it's my kid, right? So it's going to happen. So I say, do you believe? She goes, uh-huh. And I dunk her under the water, and I'm just crying. And then all of a sudden, she starts squirming. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And she comes up out of the water. And, 
And without missing a beat, I could swear I heard Quentin in the back of the sanctuary going, Amen! <laughs> I felt it happening. I don't know if it actually happened, but all I remember is, is that Madeline was definitely filled with the Spirit. And she almost died and rose back from the grave right there in front of the whole sanctuary. And then all of a sudden, baptism meant something completely different to me. See, I think we don't take it as serious as what it really means. When Jesus is talking about being dead to sin, being dead to self, that literally is what it means. We physically disappear. We die as human being. We are born again in the image, image of Christ. Even if we're waterboarding ourselves coming up out of the water. It's in this same idea that we begin Lent. The worst part about Lent, it's the hardest part, it's the part that none of us like to focus in on, is it's that we listen to our heart and all the sins that keep us from being fully in the image of Christ. All of the things that keep us away from being like Jesus, we talk about during Lent. And we ask God to forgive us of all of those things during this season. So it makes sense to me that with us coming back physically, with us starting this Lent season, that we remember our baptisms in the same way that Christ remembered it with his people talking about Noah. You see, my favorite part of the creation story is, is that God started with the water. Remember, it was a dark void. And in some texts, it says that God hovered over the water. And you can imagine how this works in Jewish imagery, that as he's hovering over the water, his, his toe touches just bits and places on top of the water, and that creates mountains and tidal waves and tsunamis, that as that's happening, the creation of the world happens right in our very eyes. Because see, at that time, the world was void, without form. And then, as the creation story finally gets to the aspect of creating humans, God takes God's hand, digs deep into the creation and grabs, you know, like rocks, stone, and clay. And then God breathes the breath, the ruach of God, creating nephish, or humans. It makes sense then when we do services of celebrations of life that we talk about from dust we came Dust we return. See, in the aspect of our baptisms, that's what we are. Rocks and water. When we come out, we're something different. Something that has purpose. Something that is designed to do the will of God in the image of Christ. So, like I promised you back then, and we are going to carry out this morning... I want to take this opportunity for you to remember your baptism. It's nothing fancy. There's no fancy moment about this. It, it, in actuality, it has to be as morose as possible. I'm going to invite all of you that would like to, that feel called to, to come forward 
And what you're going to do is, is you're going to be like the creator and you're going to dig into the water and you're going to pull out a stone and that's to represent you and pull it out and remember your baptism. And at that moment, I'm going to say some nice words for you to remember this moment. And then this is the part that's a little bit weird because I think everybody was like, oh, well, Josh is going to have all the symbolism, but the rock isn't the part I want you to keep, the remembrance. You can take the rock home. You can give it to someone. I, I, don't, I don't care what you do with the rock as far as I'm concerned. The rock for me is for you to begin Lent with an understanding of remembering your baptism. That we were dead to self and alive in Christ. That becomes the focus of today. That begins the focus of our time of Lent together. So in just a minute, I'm going to grab my shield and then I'm going to come back out. And I'm going to invite you to come forward as you feel called. And I'm going to say some things. And I'm going to dry your hands. And I, I have to warn you, the water is cold. The water is super cold. And I, 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 I made the joke in the 815 and the 915 service that I wanted it to be like my baptism. Because until I moved to Perry, I had no idea what it meant to have a full heated baptistry. I didn't have Johnny Fuller before. So I never had 80 degree, 90 degree perfectly modulated heat uh, censored baptistries. So you get to remember what it was like at my baptism. Freezing cold. So you, yeah, you have that brisk moment of remembering that deep breath. The <gasps> experience of being born again. Let me grab my shield and we'll begin. I invite you to come forward as you feel called. Would you please pray with me? Almighty God, in the midst of this place, we remember those baptism experiences and ask that you would bless our memory. We ask, O oh God, that you bless this congregation in the ways that we feel called to serve one another. And we ask, O oh God, that we do this in a way that represents the image of Christ. Help us to remember our baptisms. Challenge us to be that image of Christ throughout the world. We ask all of these things in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.